God's word and how important God's word is for us in the new year. And I love when he says in there that the simple reason that we don't read God's word is that we don't want to. And one of our goals in the new year, one of the reasons that we're having this theme that we're going to be uh, talking about this morning, that we're encouraging one another to read and reach, one of the reasons for this is we want to develop our want to. He talked about how discipline will only carry you so far, and I think that's right. I think it's important, and there are times in 2018 where you're not going to want to read your Bible. You're not going to want to reach out to unbelievers, and you and I should do those things anyway. We know it's good for us. We know it honors God. We know we need the growth, and we should do it anyway, but... That will only take you so far. Understand that one of the goals of sanctification, one of the goals of your growth in holiness is that we, you and I, should become the type of people who want to do the right thing. It's not just a change in action. It's a change in desire and affection that God wants to work in us. And so as you look out into this new year and you think, there's no way I could read my through my Bible this year. I just don't want to understand that God, his desire is to develop you and to change you so that at the end of 2018, you will look back and you will look forward to 2019 and you'll go, I want to read my Bible. I cannot imagine how I've gotten here, but I want to be this type of person in 2019. I have changed and all of that happens through the habit of reading your Bible and through the instruction and the encouragement that you will receive at this church in 2018. You have to think rightly and you have to act rightly in order to have your desires change, to become the type of person who wants to read your Bible, share Christ with others, grow in holiness. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to spend our time together anticipating the new year thinking about what's going to happen in 2018, talking about it. And I want to think about this new year as the opportunities that are in front of us as a church. And I don't know what your practice is when it comes to New Year's resolutions. Maybe some of you shiver that I say that word, New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've not thought about it. Some people are cynical about New Year's resolutions, about even processing through what's going to happen in the coming year because... In your past, you have made them and you have failed utterly by the end of January (laughs) in your New Year's resolutions. You got a gym membership and it lapsed after the first month. And that's okay. Sometimes Christians are even tempted to think that making a resolution is legalistic or that it's forbidden by Scripture. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about oaths. And so we don't want to make any promises to ourselves. Well, I don't think that's the case at all. I have to tell you that uh, after Christmas, um, things are so crazy around our house around Christmas. I didn't even really think about the new year very much until the day after Christmas. And uh, you realize that you're kind of past all the opening of presents and, and all of that. And my thoughts turned toward the new year. And I have to tell you, I get a little bit of a thrill when I think about a new year, a fresh start. The opportunity that comes with that to process through my life and to think through, what do I want to see God do in my life? 
What do I want to change in the new year by his grace? What do I want to read in the new year? I'm a book nerd, so I started making a list of books that I want to read in 2018. And all of that is a thrill to me. I love fresh starts. I hope you do too. There's something very wonderful about God's grace in giving us fresh starts like a new a new year. And so it's an opportunity to evaluate your life in light of God's word and to set some goals for the new year. And I would encourage you that if you haven't done that at all, to, to do that, to think that through. And I know sometimes we think resolutions sound very man-centered. It sounds very much like I'm going to do these things for my honor and my glory, but I don't want you to think of them that way. I know that most of you have heard of the the pastor and theologian Jonathan Edwards. He lived in the 1700s. And when Edwards was 19 years old, this will make you feel silly. He was 19 years old. He wrote a list of 70 resolutions that he wanted to see God do in his life. And when he wrote those resolutions, he wrote this paragraph. uh, I'm going to put it on the screen here at the very beginning of it to set the resolutions in the right context. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And that's the way to go about promises to yourself or to God that you're going to attempt to accomplish in the new year. And then he, after this, he said, I'm going to go over these 70 resolutions once a week to keep them in front of my mind and to continually pursue these things. And I'm not going to read you all 70 of them because that would take a while, but I do want to read you just a couple of these to show you the flavor of what this 19-year-old was thinking through, what he wanted God to do in his life. Resolution six, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolution 17, resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Resolution 28, resolved to to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. And the list goes on and on. Seventy of these, they're astute. Their passionate and their commitments to live not for self and for self glory, but to live for God's glory. And I love Edward's resolutions because of what he says at the beginning. He is unable to do anything without God's help. And even living for God's glory or living for God's glory takes God's help and the Holy Spirit working in us. We're utterly dependent on the Lord. And at the same time, we're dependent on the Lord. But if, as a church and as an individual, if we don't take the opportunity to evaluate our lives, to evaluate our church ministry, to anticipate what the Lord might do in the new year, and to set some intentional goals for what we want to see God accomplish in and through us, if we don't take the time to do that, then we're like a ship without a rudder. It may look nice. You may be able to ride on it, but it's not going anywhere, and it's just going to wander aimlessly on the sea. We don't want to be that. So let's look into the new year with a sense of excitement, hopefully. Hopefully that will happen this morning. Even hopefully seeing that video this morning got you excited about the potential of reading God's Word this year. 
And let's commit ourselves to just a couple of areas. Not asking the moon of you, but we want to commit ourselves to a couple of areas where we can see God work and we want to be intentional about these things. And we want to plan and see what God can do in us and through us in the new year. And I mean, this is the Christian life, right? If we don't take what God's word says and apply it specifically to our lives, then what are we even doing in our Christian lives? If we're not aggressive about saying, I want to live biblically and I want to see God work in my life. And here's how I want to see that accomplished by the Holy Spirit, by God's grace in my life. Then you're that ship without a rudder and you're wandering aimlessly. All we're doing this morning is taking God's word and what it says and applying it to our lives. That's it. That's what we want to to do. What we want to see God accomplish in us. So you can see the two themes on the banners this morning, which I don't know if you can tell this from looking at the banners, but the background to each of those banners is uh, a shot of the downriver area, most of the downriver area. Um, Katie did a fantastic job making those uh, just on a dime. She turned them around, put that together. I think they look amazing. So we're going to keep those up to try to encourage us in the right direction. So we'll get to read and reach in a moment, but I want to remind you of our church mission statement. This is the overarching theme and goal that we have for our church body. Here it is on the screen. Woodhaven Bible Church exists to make followers of Christ who worship God, connect with one another, and serve the church and the world. This is very simple, at least in my mind. I think it is. What is our main goal? It is biblical. It is the Great Commission. It is to make followers of Jesus Christ. That is what we're here for. You are here to be an effective and mature follower of Jesus Christ. That is why we do everything that we do. What does a follower look like? Well, a follower does three primary things, and I think you can fit most of the Christian life, if not all, under one of these three headings. They worship God, which includes instruction from God. They connect with one another. There's relationships with one another within the body that are meant for maturity and for encouragement and for growth, and they serve one another within the body, and they serve the world ultimately with the gospel. So those three words provide the backbone for our ministry here. This is what we're trying to accomplish. We want everyone who comes to this church to worship God here on Sundays, to connect with one another in body life throughout the week, small groups and other Bible studies. And we want everyone who comes to church here to serve the church and ultimately to serve the world with bringing the gospel to the world. And the beauty of this is that when we worship, connect, and serve the church in the world, we will be going to the world, the end of this, with the gospel, and more disciples will be made, followers of Christ, and it's like a feedback loop, and they will enter into this process. They will hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and then they'll begin worshiping God, connecting with one another, and then they will serve the church and the world, and it cycles back and cycles back. And so this is the this is the ultimate goal. So how do we see how do we think that we want God to see this accomplished in us in the new year? And that's what this theme is for. It's to say this is our mission statement and here's specifically what we want to see God do in the new year in us and through us. And I don't know about you, but I I need clear instructions in my life regularly. 
from everyone. <laughs> I have had the unbridled joy several times in my life of putting together IKEA furniture. I did that yesterday. And there's as much of a chance of me becoming the king of England as me putting together a piece of IKEA furniture without instructions. It's not going to happen. Even a simple piece of furniture, I'm not going to get that thing together. I don't know what goes where. But, man, they give you such detailed instructions in the packaging. And I'm able to sit down, and I have no idea what this thing, how I'm going to do this, but I just start bit by bit. And I put this screw here and this plastic piece here, and I tie this together. And lo and behold, at the end of it, there's this really beautiful piece of furniture. I need instructions. I need clarity. And that's all we're trying to provide for one another this year is say, look, this is how we want to see God work in us and in our church body in the new year. So all of that to say, here are our two goals for the new year. The theme, read and reach. And you'll notice about this, one of these is inwardly focused. We want to see God work in us as we read his word. And the other is outwardly focused. And the inward serves the outward. Okay? You have to be cultivating a relationship with God so that then you can turn and go out and share the gospel with others. So let's start here with this first one of read. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ in the new year, we have to know him. You have to know your master, your teacher. And the question is, how do we know Christ? How do we know God? Well, in Scripture, there are actually several ways that you can know something about God. You can look out at creation, right? I mean, you can see the snow. It's beautiful. Cold, but beautiful. You can see the trees. You can see farmland. You can look out at creation and observe it. And you can know that there is a God there. The law is written on your heart. Your conscience tells you. Now, people suppress their conscience, but your conscience tells you that there is some sort of higher being who put this law on my heart. Every human being knows or values beauty and truth and goodness and justice. Now, people's opinion of what justice and truth is may be knocked off kilter dramatically, but... We all have an innate desire for justice and for goodness and for beauty. And those creation and conscience, those are pointers that tell us that God is there and that he's real and that there's someone who is able to create and sustain this universe in which we live. And so we know something about God from creation and from conscience. But if you only base your knowledge of God on creation and on conscience, then it's a little bit like finding a watch on the street and thinking that you are going to know who the watchmaker is and what his character is like from studying that watch. You know there's a designer to this. You know that he was a pretty smart guy to be able to put this together. But beyond that, you don't know a whole lot else about this guy. Is he tall? Is he short? Is he kind? Is he grumpy? Does he have a family? What do you know about him? And you cannot discover very much about this guy from simply examining the watch. And that's the way it works with creation and with your conscience. But 
If you had a copy of the watchmaker's diary, his journal, or if you had his correspondence with his wife, you would be able to learn quite a bit more about what sort of man the watchmaker was. Why did he create this watch? What does he hope to gain out of putting this watch together? What are his goals in life? You would be able to potentially learn all of that from the correspondence, from the diary, the journal that you had of this guy. You would have insight into who the watchmaker is. That's obviously the way it works with God's word. Psalm 119, the beautiful passage. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. When God's word is explained and understood, it gives light. We know God. We know what he's like. We know his character. God's word gives us direct insight into the mind of our maker. That's why that video is so powerful. The simple phrase, God wrote a book. And you and I have access to that book. And we have access to God through that book every single day of our lives. And here's the the wonderful thing about the fact that God wrote a book. God intentionally, lovingly, purposefully gave us access to his mind and to his desires and to his goal. There's no way we could have discovered that on our own, but God, that's why it's called revelation. He brought it to us and gave us that access. He has chosen to reveal himself to us and to give us insight into who he is. It's like he has taken a spotlight and turned that spotlight on his plans and on his ambitions and on his goals, his desires. And you and I have access in this book that you hold in your hand or on your smartphone. You and I can daily interact with the God of the universe through this book, through this lovingly written revelation of himself. We have access to that. And I don't know about you, but I take advantage of that far too little. And in the new year, I want to take advantage of that. I want to be so immersed in this book that I know my God better and better by the end of 2018. And so here's here's the goal. Let's read together, right? Let's help one another. Let's keep one another accountable. Maybe you've been reading through God's word the whole thing every year for the last 50 years. There were some folks at our church in Virginia that would do that. Uh, One man in particular would get a new study Bible every year and would read through all the notes and the whole Bible every year in his new study Bible. Fantastic. If you already are doing that, don't let us break it up. But if you're not doing it consistently or if you want to be held accountable in this, then take a copy of that reading plan that we have there in your bulletin today. And let's pursue this together. Now, I chose this plan. You're welcome to choose another one, but I chose this one. For the simple reason that you only have to read five days a week instead of all seven. Because I tend to miss days. And then once you get two or three days behind, it's like, oh my goodness, I have to read for three hours today to catch up. And I, can't, I don't have time to do that. Right? So five days a week, you pick the days, read God's word, 
And you'll get through the whole thing. Or you can pick to read through the New Testament. That's an option as well in a year. But let's keep one another accountable. We'll be posting updates on this. We'll put the passages for the week in the bulletin from time to time. We'll talk about this. We'll encourage one another, even in small groups. But how awesome would it be if at the end of this year, we looked back and at the end of 2018, you were checking some of the last boxes off of that and you were finishing God's word in 2018. And that would be awesome, not because then we could all have a big group hug and pat one another on the back and say how great we are, that we're that disciplined and that consistent. But that would be awesome because my guess is, is that if we read through the Bible together in a year, we will grow closer together through the experience. And certainly our affection for God will increase and grow. I want to read you uh, some lines from an old hymn that I sort of rediscovered this week. Isaac Watts wrote it, and it's about God's word. It's so helpful. Laden with guilt and full of fears, I fly to thee, my Lord, and not a glimpse of hope appears but in thy written word. The volumes of my Father's grace. I love that. That's what the Bible is. It's volumes of God's grace to us. The volumes of my Father's grace does all my griefs assuage. Here I behold my Savior's face in everything. This, God's word, this is the field where hidden lies the pearl of price unknown. That merchant is divinely wise who makes the pearl his own. Here in the Bible, consecrated water flows to quench my thirst of sin. Here, the fair tree of knowledge grows. No danger dwells within. So let's read this book together so that we can have our our thirst for sin quenched so that we can possess the pearl of great price in 2018. Let's read. And then as we read, let's reach out of the overflow of interaction with God in his word and reading, let's reach. Once you begin to pick up God's word and you start reading through the Old Testament, one of the things you're going to find very quickly is that you have this incredibly good and gracious God, and he is consistently rejected by his people. I mean, from the opening pages of the Bible, he is so good. He creates all that is good and very good. And then his people sin and turn their backs on him and reject him. And you see that over and over again throughout the Old Testament. But what you also see as you continue to read this book is you see that this God responds to that rejection with grace and with pursuit of his creatures And with kindness. His desire is for them to have fellowship with him again. And he puts in motion this whole plan to bring that about and to pursue them, to bring them back into sweet fellowship with him and to do good to his creatures. God's revelation of himself in the Bible is an act of grace that he initiates, he is the actor in. This kindness to us. I mean, you see this over and over again. He chooses Israel, doesn't he? He says, there's nothing good in you that made me choose you. He chooses them out of unbridled kindness and grace. And he's going to reveal himself to them. And he's going to work his plan of reconciliation through the nation of Israel. 
He pursues them over and over again. He pursues them in their sinfulness, in their idolatry. He pursues them with prophets who give them his word. Ultimately, he he sends, he sends his son to humankind to become a man, to live and die for us. And then after that happens, Jesus sends, the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to us to indwell us and to sanctify us and to point us to Christ. And then the Holy Spirit empowers and enables us to be sent like Christ was out into the world to bring the good news of reconciliation to mankind. I mean, I hope you see the pattern there, right? I mean, it's all over scripture when you're thinking about the big picture. If you're reading your Bible correctly, you see God consistently reaching out. He's sending, he's seeking, he's pursuing, and he is showing grace. Sometimes it's almost unfathomable how people can read the Old Testament and think of God as this grouchy, mean God. Because he's so consistently good and so faithfully shows grace and pursues his people. And the amazing thing is that you and I get to play a role in this reconciliation. God sends his son, the father and the son send the spirit, and then the spirit empowers and sends us out into the world to preach the good news and bring the rule and reign of God to the world. We get to play a role in that. There's no better passage, I think, that describes this than 2 Corinthians 5. I think we've read this in here before, but it's so good. We'll read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Notice what happens here. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself, he initiates, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because we've been entrusted with that message, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And here's the gospel. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You and I are ambassadors. We have this message and we go out into the world because the church is a kingdom outpost. Do you remember that whole series in October that we did entitled Kingdom Outpost? We are an outpost of the kingdom reaching out into this current age and trying to bring the good news of God's reign and reconciliation to the world. We're here, we're set, and we're trying to bring the culture of heaven to our area and ultimately to the whole world. And sometimes theologians will talk about this time we're in between Christ's first coming and second coming as an overlap of the ages. And think of it a little bit like when you're at the beach, there's a portion of land that has both the ocean and the beach And they overlap there. And it may shift some and it may change some, but there's a portion of the beach that you can't really say is ocean or is beach. It's kind of both at the same time. It overlaps. And that's what this time is like for us. 
We're an outpost of the kingdom here, but we're in this other age. And so we kind of live in both at once. And the reason why that's so important is because it's an overlap of the ages, then we are responsible to bring the news of the kingdom to this current age. Because it's an overlap of ages, it's a time of mission for the church. We're here to be on mission. And there's an urgency to our task. One author said this, the meaning of this overlap of the ages in which we live, the time between the coming of Christ and his coming again, is that it is the time given for the witness of the apostolic church to the ends of the earth. The end of all things which has been revealed in Christ is, so to say, held back until witness has been born to the whole world concerning the judgment and salvation revealed in Christ. So we're living in between, and we've got a mission, and there's an urgency to this mission. So you and I have a very gracious, reaching, sending God who we serve, and he gives us the privilege of being ambassadors for him in this world. So what does that look like in 2018? Well, we want to encourage one another in this. We want to read God's word and we want to reach. So in order to give some very tangible goals, here's what we're going to say for 2018, all right? We want to set the goal, and this means challenging one another for each member of WBC, each family, to connect with, and I'll explain what I mean by connect with here, three unbelievers in 2018. All right, we want to give you something tangible to reach toward. Now, don't get to three and stop. If you're on a roll, keep going, right? Engage the mission with urgency. But we want to give something to shoot for that's not so overwhelming, but gives us something to strive after. Now, what do I mean by connect with unbelievers? Now, I don't necessarily mean just go and give them the Romans road, although that would be fantastic. But what I mean is build a relationship with an unbeliever. Have them into your home for coffee. Invite their family over for a meal at your house and get to know them. Invite them to something here at church, the Easter egg hunt, a concert, the movie night, whatever it may be. But take an opportunity to get to know them and to build a relationship with them more than just saying hi when you pull out of your driveway on on Monday morning to go to work. Actually intentionally get to know them and engage with them. Small groups, have a neighborhood barbecue for one of your nights where you invite those that are immediately around your house where you have small group to get together with the entire small group and get to know them and build relationships with them. I mean, if if everyone in our church, there's maybe 60-ish families at WBC, but if every family did this in 2018 and intentionally developed relationships with those around them, that would be almost 200 unbelieving families or people who would now be connected with believers and have the opportunity to get to know those here in the body of Christ and to maybe hear the gospel from those who live around them. Reaching I told you earlier, is the overflow of reading, of knowing God's word and of engaging with him. But you and I know this does not happen automatically, right? It's not just like you read your Bible and all of a sudden you're just going to go out and start engaging with unbelievers and sharing the gospel with unbelievers. You have to, and I have to, just like we have to set aside time to read God's word, we have to be intentional about connecting with unbelievers. It's necessary. So 
This year, we're going to try to help with that. We're going to do a book in small groups in the spring, or I guess winter and spring as it is here, right? Winter and spring in 2018, coming months, we're going to do a book in small groups that will help us and train us to connect with our neighbors and to build relationships with them. We're going to encourage one another in this, and we're going to keep bringing it up throughout the year, not to guilt us into doing this, but to encourage hold one another accountable and to, to see that God will work in and through us this year. I'll tell you, after even initially announcing this theme, I've already had a couple of people tell me, I know an unbeliever who I'm now beginning to build a relationship with that I'm going to intentionally try to share the gospel with and connect with them in the new year. I wasn't thinking about it before, but because the church is doing this, I've really targeted this person and I'm going to seek to reach out to them. That's so encouraging. And if everyone did that, if all of us did that, man, this would be a different place at the end of 2018. How exciting would it be if at the end of this year, there are just a couple of new believers who had never heard the gospel, who had never repented of their sins, but they're looking into 2019 going, this was the year I was saved and baptized and brought into the church. And I'm now being discipled. I'm worshiping, connecting and serving. And I'm going to go out in 2019 and share Christ with people. I don't know that there would be much more that's, that's more exciting to me, to the elders, to the whole church body than if that happened this year. And I know God's got to do that work. But we have to put ourselves in a position where the gospel, which is the power of God, can go to those people and they can be saved through, through the gospel. So I'm praying and asking the Lord for boldness, for clarity, and to allow us to see people saved in the new year and see people connected with our church body and brought into that process of discipleship. We depend on God for that work, but let's put our boots to the ground and engage in the mission as best we can, trusting him for the results. So this is what it is for 2018. Read and reach. And what I would love is just for you to think about this, to process through this, and to just pray and ask what the Lord would have you to do in the new year. And how he would have you to engage the church's mission of making followers of Christ and your own personal mission of being a mature, healthy follower of Christ in the new year. That's what we're asking. That's what we want to see God do. Let's pray for that together. All right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for letting us be a part of this. We're certainly unworthy. We are cracked vessels. We are sinful. I am lazy. I am apathetic so often. But Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would empower us, give us boldness, give us clarity of mission, and help us to engage the mission that you have for us in 2018. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be ambassadors, to tell of the wonders of your love. And I just ask that you provide those opportunities for us, Lord. Put us in the right situations. Help us to open our mouths. Help us to be loving and kind and gracious with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family and friends. And I pray, Lord, we ask that we would see people saved in 2018 and brought into the process of discipleship here. That's our desire. That's our ambition. 
and we depend on you for it, Lord. Strengthen us even now as we consider this the coming hours and days. Thank you for our time together this morning. It's in Christ's name that we ask and that we pray and that we depend on. Amen.